0: Welcome to the Temple Forum, a podcast from First United Methodist Church in the heart of Chicago. Here we welcome a diversity of voices and conversation about how we live in the world as people of faith.
1: Hello, this is Jan Engmeyer. This installment of the Temple Forum features a conversation with Reverend Pat Jackson, founding co-executive director of Interwoven Congregations for Racial Justice and Healing. It's a relatively new organization created to promote racial healing in the United States. Welcome Reverend Jackson, we're really glad that you can join us.
0: Thanks so very much, delighted to be here.
1: Tell us about Interwoven Congregations for Racial Justice and Healing. How did it come into existence, and why did you choose that name?
0: This is a call. <laughs> it's a call that's been on my life, I think, for for quite a while, but it's really crystallized in recent years. I was pastoring in Kansas City, and we moved back to the, uh, the D.C. area, and I was, uh, as a Presbyterian pastor, I was in the queue for another congregation, but I felt the call to spend more time focusing on issues of racial justice and healing. And um, pastoring a full church is 360 degrees. uh, And I knew that racial justice would be a slice of that time. And I wanted it to be virtually all of my time. And uh, so as I thought about that, I had three experiences myself as a pastor of being in the pew and hearing a message that inspired me. One message was listen for the call in your life. Mm -hmm. The second message was uh, on the fierce urgency of now, thinking of the words of Dr. King. And the third message was on the parable of the mustard seed, the faith you have is enough. And as I was thinking about the, the desire to work in social justice on these issues, they in part galvanized my thinking to rather than seek a church call to start a nonprofit organization uh, to support this work. And it grows out a little bit of some things I did in Kansas City too, Um, partly having partnered with another, with an African-American congregation at one juncture, and also seeing how a nonprofit in our community helped elementary schools partner up with uh, churches and businesses. And I thought, well, what if we started a nonprofit that supported partnerships between congregations, diverse congregations. And that's what kind of got me down that road of of thinking about bringing these congregations together. Interwoven because of that, linking them together, not necessarily, I'm not looking to fuse the congregations but to partner them together for racial justice and healing.
1: Tell us a bit about your background. Uh, Why is social justice and racial healing important to you professionally and personally, and and why take on this role?
0: Well, probably, um, you know, you're you're touched by how you're raised. Um, my dad was a pastor. His dad was a pastor, so it runs kind of oh, thick. Oh, wow. Our, yes. Yeah, it run, runs thick <laughs> in our family. And I, um, you know, I, I ran away from that a little bit. I wasn't ready to go into ministry initially, so I'm one of those second career pastors. Um you know, who, who did some other work, but it was all related to community, building community. Um, and then my mom was a nurse. And so both of them had a strong commitment to justice that just was always kind of a part of our growing up. And, and so, and then just as a, as a person of faith, as a, as a, as a Christian, um, that for, for me is distilled in uh, the word reconciliation. Reconciliation between us and God, reconciliation between one another. I, I understand that can be a problematic term when we approach this issue of racial justice, because you know, reconciliation presumes that you're you're getting back to a time. You talk about a couple reconciling, you're talking about them getting back to a time when they were good. We've never been good in this nation in terms of our racial relationships, our, our, our multi-ethnic and, and cross-racial relationships. So to talk about reconciliation is hard in that sense, but I do um, reach for a, a, a biblical understanding of we are reconciling to the image that God has for us uh, and, uh, to an image that we have as a society. And that really drives me. Uh, and it drives me from a perspective of both joy and um, pain. The joy that we experience when we come together, you know those experiences when you have the the opportunity to, to share in a service or an activity where people from all backgrounds come together. I find it exhilarating to have those experiences. But then we also know there's the pain and the injustice and the suffering that just, that dots are history, you know, dots isn't the right word, floods are history uh, over time. And as people of faith, we're called to embrace the joy of life, but we're also called to be people of justice who um, address issues that, that need to be faced as, as, as a people. And so I'm, 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 I'm spurred by both motivations just to, to experience that joy, but also to address the injustice in our world.
1: You've also spent some time in the Peace Corps. Can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah, I did. Uh, I was in Senegal, uh, West Africa, which was a fantastic experience, uh, working as a primary health uh, uh, volunteer in a zone of 28 villages. And you know, we helped with vaccination programs and nutrition and did a latrine building project.
1: Oh, my. Um, and important, it, important.
0: It was, it was great. And I will tell you, of course, that was, that was my first experience of being um, com- a complete minority. I've grown up white. Every community I had lived in, you know, it was a white community by and large until after uh, until actually, I guess, college at the University of Michigan, where, you know, I I had uh, a great deal of diversity there, of course, but um, but when I went to serve in, in the, the Peace Corps, I my motivation there was, uh, again, just a, a desire to engage the richness of, uh, it's, it's the, the joy and pain thing again, the richness of cultural diversity, but also being mindful of the the, the great challenges that people in the developing world experience. And I didn't wanna send a check. I couldn't send a check really when I was, uh, not a check that would matter when, when, I, when I was 20, 26. But I could send myself, and so that was a um, that was a real shaping experience. But another experience of of the power of community, the beauty of community, and I I, I seek to um, you know work through that in in everything that I do.
1: So, what do you hope to achieve with the interwoven congregations organization?
0: Yeah. So. The premise of this is that it it seems to us that there are lots of resources out there to help people learn Um, about racism and, uh, you know, from all the books. I mean, last summer, you know, of course, this summer when we came into the streets by the millions uh, across generations in in this country, which was just, you know, amazing. There was a real hunger for people to to learn. And at one point I remember looking at the New York Times bestseller list, 11 out of the top 13 uh, books on the list were all dealing with anti-racism. Uh, So there's lots of resources. There are lots of wonderful training organizations that are out there from the Racial Equity Institute and others. What seems to be missing are ready forums where people can come together over time in a sustained way to build relationships and partner and work together on these issues. One would hope that faith communities would be those places And there certainly are many uh, faith communities that do an amazing job of drawing people of all backgrounds together. But the reality in the main continues to be that our worshiping time as Dr. King lamented uh, is the most segregated hour of the week. And so interwoven congregations uh, is aiming to partner diverse congregations together predominantly white congregations with congregations with memberships predominantly of people of color and to support partnerships between the two where people can do three things. They can uh, develop a greater awareness around issues of race and to understand that history. Number two, to then come into relationship with people of other races over a sustained period of time, not just the casual you know, MLK or summer picnic photo op, but rather sustained relationships that we develop over time between uh, committed um, uh, congregations that partner together. And then the third thing, building on our greater awareness of the realities of race and importantly, systemic racism in our society, building on that awareness, building on the relationships that we develop between the two congregations, we then take the necessary third step of taking concrete action to impact systemic racism. You know, I'm, I'm mindful of the, uh, how W.E.B. Du Bois wrote that for 30 years, he thought, if I could just convince uh, the white people of America of the inequity in our society, if, if I could just help them see it, then people would change and, and our society would change and after 30 years, he finally came to the conclusion of education alone is not going to do it. We can, I can give all the information I want, but these, you know, the, the horrors of Jim Crow would just continue. And so it's great that we study and it's great and important that we come into relationship with one another but we must push further to take action to affect policies i hear you know ibram kendi speaks eloquently ab- about this you know he'll he'll even go so far as to say i don't care what your motivation is i don't care what you feel what i care about is what you do and what impact it has and so we you know our hope is that we are able to support congregations that are hungry for this work, provide the structure and the support so they can enter into relationships over time. And by doing this, we can help um, faith communities around the country move from not being, you know, unfortunately in white history, bulwarks of racism, but instead move towards being real agents of change agents of reconciliation and justice which is what i believe earnestly god intends for our churches our mosques our synagogues you know to be and and i, and I expand that because you know while Uh, we've started our work. We have our opening two um, congregations working together in the Washington, D.C. area, both Presbyterian, but we're in dialogue with Methodists and Lutherans and Episcopalians and uh, Mennonites. But we also are seeking to be in dialogue with Jewish congregations, uh, Muslim congregations, and Baha'i congregations and other uh, faith traditions as well. And by doing this work, our vision is that we then realize a society that is rid of the cancer of racism, which uh, runs, unfortunately, so, so deep in our society. And we're hopeful, and we see people of faith stepping forward, uh, but we want to really harness the, the motivations and the, um, you know, the core for people of faith to do this work.
1: So, how do people of faith and congregations how can they be effective agents of change to confront and dismantle the racism on a broader scale? How do uh, we get involved? How can we make a difference?
0: So, I think it begins. You know, as far as what what we're what we're doing is we is we work together with specific congregations and and and, and bring them together. Part the, the part of the first part is tapping into our own traditions that guide us to facing the world that we have today. I mean, as, as, as a Christian, you know, we, we take seriously the idea of examining our, our own lives, uh, personally and corporately. You know, in, in a Presbyterian congregation, we have a prayer of confession every Sunday. Um, and so there is, there is a necessity for us to take stock as people of faith about where have we been, open eyes, and to e- examine our history. Every congregation can, can, can do this. We, with our two partner congregations now, we're doing an anti-racism assessment, you know, with the congregations uh, to examine their own, their own histories and, you know, how they've operated, uh, doing surveys of the congregations to ask them their own feelings and, and expressions around issues of, of race. But, you know, as, as, as people of faith, you know, we, we seek to look with uh, eyes wide open at the human condition. Um, And frankly, facing this issue of racism, it's appropriate as some have eloquently written for as people of faith for us to spend some time lamenting. Mm. Not to assume we can just jump in and start fixing stuff. If we haven't taken stock, we need to do so and lament the you know, the 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 suffering that um, so many people of color have experienced in this country you know around the globe of course but in this country you know over the past you know 400 years and so that's an essential first part to take to take stock of that and uh, then the relationship building is is vital and you know we often live in these silos And so it's essential for us to kind of reach out and, you know, it's, we talk about partnering these diverse congregations. I've heard some from some congregations that are quite multicultural, who say that even in their multicultural congregation, people within the congregation of different racial backgrounds aren't talking to each other. So there are opportunities for us to, you know, to build those bridges. And I think that's really important because we're governed by all these, these biases that we carry. Um, that are automatic, we often are governed at this, as some will teach us, at at these base levels that we might at a higher level think, I'm open to people of all races, but at a base level, you could have an instinctual reaction to, this person is dangerous, or this is a situation I'm I'm getting away from, so we think we're up here, but we're actually living down here. (laughs) Relationships help to peel away those biases. And so the knowledge is key. The relationships uh, are also key. But then, as I was saying earlier, we, then we need to pledge to do something because we can all sit around and have a book study. But if at the end of the day, all we're about is trying to make ourselves feel better, then we're not really moving this issue. And this is, you know, and I, you know, and I am saying this for my own experience, you know, for, 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 for me, you know, i I have a wonderful wife who happens to be African-American and we took a visit to Tulsa um, when we were living in Kansas city for, you know, for, for the weekend. And we were you know, spending the weekend and my wife says at one point, we need to go by the Greenwood neighborhood. And I'm like, what's the Greenwood neighborhood. And the fact that I wouldn't know that. So if you have listeners, who, for instance, might not be aware of what's the significance of the Greenwood neighborhood in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that's me. I didn't know that story of a century ago, you know, a, literally a hundred years ago, you know, how uh, white mobs rampaged through the black community of Greenwood, prosperous community, and I mean, it's 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 just um, an extraordinary history that unfortunately is played out a lot over our over our history. So we need we need to know that um, history as is white people in this country. Um, take that responsibility of educating ourselves, but then looking for opportunities to build these bridges and then to do something to- Right, so to some in,
1: internal as well as external work. So wh- what do you need to achieve your goal with your organization? What What are your needs? More congregations, um, Always. people, money, what?
0: Um love this, you know, keep this list going. Um, so absolutely. So first we are talking with folks, um, you know, we're, we're talking with people, congregations in the Washington DC region, but we're also in conversation with congregations in Kansas. And we've had some conversations with people in Chicago, uh, in Tennessee and Connecticut. If you are part of a congregation that has a hunger to do this work, maybe you even have another congregation that you've connected with that's of a different racial background than your own that you would like to support and and deepen a relationship with, but just could use some help, Um, we'd love to talk with you. Uh, If you have a passion for this and you have no idea of who you might partner with, we'd love to talk with you because we also, so we work to take uh, congregations that have an existing relationship and help you take that relationship further. Give you that structure and that support to 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 proceed with this work, or if you if you don't have a partner at the moment, then we'd love to work with you and help identify you know a, a partner that would that you could collaborate with. So, so,
1: Reverend Jackson, tell us how to get in touch with you and the organization.
0: Please, yeah, so please reach us. You can go to our website at uh, www.interwovencongregations.org. And when you go there, you can do the second thing that you were lifting up, you know, to do this work, like any nonprofit, we need resources. So if this is a passion of yours, I would ask for your financial support to help uh, undergird our work uh, across this country, because this is an effort that needs to go to scale.
1: Wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
0: Oh, um. I would just like to, to say that this is a time of immense hope that as a nation, it feels as though we're, we're at an inflection point that there's an opportunity uh, for folks to uh, chart a new course. Um, but the challenge also is our history tells us that we have a, a history of moving forward and then being taking steps back and we also can see that today of some backlash against taking steps for racial justice and healing. I just want to encourage and appeal and and, and challenge people of faith to to take that step forward. And and we work with congregations uh, specifically because this work can, will, not can, will be challenging. And we believe that people of faith can draw on their faith to for encouragement, for hope, for um, strength, for when the going gets tough to continue to work through so that we can help together forge this beloved community that our faith calls us towards.
1: Thank you, Reverend Pat Jackson, for taking time to share your story with us and to tell us about the interwoven congregations for racial justice and healing. I'm Jan Engmeyer. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Temple Forum.
0: Thanks so much, Jen. You've been listening to The Temple Forum from First United Methodist Church in Chicago. You can find more conversations like this online at chicagotemple.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Please join us again soon.